O Sacrament, Most Holy, O Sacrament Divine. O Christ, Spiritual Communion, I wish my Lord to receive you with the purity, humility, and devotion with which your Most Holy Mother received you, with the Spirit and fervor of the saints. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present here on the altar, we begin with uh, an act of faith in your real presence because you have accompanied us during this retreat and uh, we open our hearts now to whatever you have to say to us. And uh, we do this now, of course, in the context of the month of May, which as you know is the month of, of Mary. And we only have an image here of Our Lady, but she helps us to open our hearts to her divine son. She's the mother of God, so she carried him in her womb with so so much heartfelt love that she can help us to carry him as well. Traditionally, images of Our Lady show the heart of Mary, where she is sometimes depicted with the seven wounds or sometimes with seven swords in homage of the seven sor sorrows of Mary. Also, we see her with roses or other types of flower kind of wrapped around the heart, the heart, the sweetheart of Mary. These two images, the image of Our Lady with the Sacred Heart of Mary and Our Lord with His Sacred Heart were present in many, many homes at the turn of the century and throughout the 20th century in many parishes. Anywhere you went, you would see these two images together. And uh, the image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus showed him kind of opening up his chest. It's as though he were removing the skin, as it were, and revealing this throbbing heart. And from this heart, this streams of light would be shining out. Pure streams of light. And uh, next to him, of course, would be this tender image of the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mother, with those swords that surround her heart, swords and flowers. And uh, these images were meant to make us bring Mary and Jesus together and open our hearts too for love for them. In particular during the month of May where many, well, the, the, the temperature is getting better, of course, but it's also a time in which we can do a special pilgrimage. Maybe we can do it with a friend or somebody in the family. And it, a pilgrimage is a way to entrust ourselves more to her, and we, we get many uh, graces when we, we do that. It's, it's a reflection of our Marian piety. And St. Rosaria wanted us to have this Marian piety in the work, and it is at the root of our, our Founder's piety also to Our Lady. One thing he said was, he said, Our Opus Dei was born 
and grew up under the mantle of Our Lady. She's been a good mother, comforting us, smiling at us, helping us in the difficult moments of the blessed battle to bring forward this army of apostles in the world. It's a beautiful image, eh? That we are an army of apostles. We hear all about the injustices that are going on now in the world and in the Ukraine, and people are fighting back to keep their land against injustices. There are, it's so you could say that it's like an army, an army that is that is uh, rising up against injustice. And, and we know there are many injustices against God, sins against God, immoral lifestyles, and, and sometimes it's just pure, pure ignorance that exists throughout the world. And we want to be good soldiers in that army of apostles, not for a violent war, but for a war, you could say, of uh, formation, of catechesis. You know that in Mexico, for years and years, it was uh, they tried to outlaw the Catholic faith. They tried to destroy it, crush it, even even until now, practically, even until fairly recently, it was absolutely legal for for priests to go wearing their clergymen. And uh, one of the things that was the result of that, well, they were you know the Catholic Church was not allowed to teach the faith in schools and so forth. And uh, well, one of the results is that many Mexicans ended up quite. Uh, uncatechized and uh, they nevertheless allowed a lot of Protestant groups or Jehovah Witnesses into Mexico that would go and target many of these uh, Mexicans and how did they do that how did they manage to do that well they would stand outside of churches with a huge image of Our Lady Guadalupe these are Jehovah Witnesses and well of course, we know Mexicans love Our Lady of Guadalupe. So they would be immediately attracted to this image. But of course, the Jehovah Witnesses, they just use that as a ploy to get them there. And then they would say things to convince them to leave the church. Of course, the poor Mexicans weren't necessarily always catechized. They didn't always know what to say. But they know one thing. You know, they love Our Lady of Guadalupe. Don't touch Our Lady of Guadalupe. And, I mean, you have gangsters with tattoos of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So, I mean, she's pretty well you know, embedded in the culture. They say that the, the culture of Mexico is made up of the fabric of the tilma, right? And uh, that's how deeply entrenched she is. And in many ways, this is an ongoing story. And I suspect we will hear more from Mexico and Our Lady's role in Our Lady of Guadalupe's role in that beautiful, beautiful nation. Recently, I heard that the Holy Father uh, gave permission for a new shrine to be built in the U.S. It's uh, the place now escapes me out, the, the town that escapes me now, but it's a big, big, massive shrine. And Cardinal Burke originally wanted to, to dedicate that shrine to, uh, to Our Lady of Fatima a few years ago. And uh, so they started, you know, raising funds to Our Lady of Fatima, this shrine, and, you know, it was going to be a big, big place where people would go from all of the states uh, to visit the Our Lady of Fatima. But then uh, he, at one point, I don't know if it was he or, or somebody, read uh, Pope John Paul II's encyclical on the evangelization of the Americas, right, that uh, as a result of the, of the Synod of the Americas. And there he read about 
John Paul II's devotion to to Our Lady of Guadalupe and how she would unite all all Catholics in the Americas. And so he said, "Yeah, this is gonna be this shrine has to be dedicated to Our Lady of Guadalupe." And so now, if you go to that shrine, Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, in the states, you can you can actually get the same. Uh, indulgences and graces that you would get if you went actually went to the Villa in, in Mexico itself. I don't have seen this shrine, but I'm sure it's quite beautiful, especially because it has this image of Our Lady uh, of Guadalupe. She is our mother, and with her mantle, she protects us. And uh, those two things, the fact that she is a mother, and the fact that she is wearing a mantle, a tilma as we say, both in the image and on the image itself, is particularly true in Our Lady of Guadalupe. She's clearly a mother there because, well, it's one of the few images where Our Lady look, is, in fact, pregnant. I mean, you can have lots of images of a, a woman, but the only way to prove that she's a mother is that she be pregnant. I mean, she could be holding a child, but it could be anybody's child not when she's pregnant unless they fake it somehow but uh, you know put a put a pillow there or something like that you know but uh, so this image of our lady she's like she's like, like pregnant and of course she's got that mantle that is a sign of her protection as pope francis said mother of succor Welcome us under your mantle and protect us sustain us in times of trial and light in our hearts the lamp of hope for the future. He said that praying in front of a beautiful icon of our Blessed Mother. And he used this image of the mantle. The, the image of these, imagine Our Lady with this mantle, and this was a traditional image. She's had a mantle, but all these people are huddled underneath her mantle, and she's like, you know, protecting all these Christians. And this was an image that was used over the centuries. And they're all standing there protecting themselves. And she's watching over them like little children. And it is really, of course, a metaphor for her spiritual protection for us. Her, her shadow, her warmth, her presence, her motherliness. And so, well, you and I during this month of May, we, we really have to imagine her watching over our soul. And at the same time, the infinite value of our soul in grace. Because that's what she watches over. She watches over the fact that our, our soul stay in grace, in the state of grace. Our, our soul suffused with God's love. And, uh, and then that soul suffused with God's love in the state of grace, well, we, we come to discern our purpose. We come to discern our mission. Our, and, and, and we know that, uh, that uh, we have a mission, and this is part of why our, our mother is watching over us and ensuring that this grace be present like any mother. She, a mother would feed her children. She would give good food to her children. And uh, we need that protective covering of her mantle because there are dangers that we lose sight of our mission or that we don't give importance to it or we forget to seek it out. And, and this is a danger. And remember, the as St. Peter says, the, prowl, the devil is prowling around seeking to make us despair. Anxious, worried, 
losing peace. That's what the devil wants in the U.S. He's prowling around like a lion. He's just like, you know, those lions that they walk around very carefully, stealthily, because they are, they are predators. And they, they know how to go for their prey. And the devil wants us to be anxious, to lose confidence in God and confidence in his mother. He lurks around, creating a sense of anxiety, making us kind of like fear for the future, what's going to happen to us, and uh, making us unwilling uh, to surrender our trust in God. And we think, well, we better go around, not so much under the mantle of Our Lady, but we have to go around super hyper-protected, we have to go overly stressed. We always have to have our phone next to us. We can't walk out of the house without our phone. And uh, like those people who, who are constantly cleaning their hands with uh, sanitizer every five minutes, you know, and they have a water bottle with them just in case they get dehydrated. You know, they, they right? So the Pope now has consecrated Russia and Ukraine to Mary beautiful ceremony there that he did in St. Peter's a few weeks ago and, um, and so it's, it's important that we feel that protection for our soul for obviously for Ukraine, for, for Russia and it, it's really amazing to see that she certainly played that role in Mexico in the famous hill of Tepeyac in uh, 1531 she showed herself to be of course pregnant but also she showed herself to be this beautiful indigenous peasant woman. And she showed himself to an indigenous peasant, Juan Diego. And she showed those beautiful flowers that were bundled up into that tilma. And it is on that rough tilma, that fabric, that she left that beautiful image. And it was shown when Juan Diego, after a few attempts, finally unraveled it in front of Bishop Sumuraga. And there she showed her beauty on this rough mantle, this rough tilma. It's kind of like telling us now, God wants to show His beauty, the beauty of His grace, even in you and me, who are sometimes like that rough you know, tilma, that, that rough cloth. We, we don't think that, we, that He can paint much beauty on us an artist he has to paint when he, when he has to paint something he, he has to prepare the canvas he smooths it out he paints it with gesso lets it dry and then he begins the drawing but it's you know it's on the most perfect uh, surface right uh, but imagine just pulling something out and that is rough and dirty and and there nevertheless our Lord paints his mother I am your mother he's saying she's saying we have to be confident in God to keep praying but we know that Juan Diego which we know fairly little about him but he was canonized in the year 2000 by Pope John Paul II but well they knew little about him but what they did know is his love for our mother and she appeared there at the very very earliest years of the evangelization of the American continent it wasn't for that. It wasn't for Our Lady. I mean, you know, all those, all those pagan religions uh, uh, that you know, practice child sacrifice and all that. Who knows? You know what we would be like today? Maybe we'd all be, you know, 
painted with painted skin and all that stuff you know like that we see in movies sometimes you know but uh, naturally we have to have some respect for their culture and stuff but but um, there's one phrase that is often remembered in the interaction between Juan Diego and our and our lady he's always afraid he's always he's trying to avoid her because he thinks uh, He's somehow unworthy. But the one phrase that always comes back is, she says, don't you know that I'm your mother? Don't you know that? Hmm? And maybe she can say that to us now. Maybe we do forget that. Huh? This protective and nurturing aspect of the Blessed Virgin. Hmm? Could it be that I go through my life uh, without her real closeness? When I study, when I face temptation, when I'm sad, I mean, maybe I get sad, lonely, and uh, maybe I, I don't feel her protective closeness, her beauty. You know, image of her, images of the Blessed Virgin that have been used throughout the ages, and so many are so beautiful, so unique in many ways. And they speak to people about people's devotion and love, that, that the faithful's love for Our Lady has led to so much beautiful art. That is, that they were in different ways, different styles, different periods, to be able to see the beauty of her face, the beauty of her tenderness. And many people today have lost the cultural and pictorial lexicon that it's almost as though they don't really know who she is. She's just a woman. And uh, one professor I, I read about said that our modern world has really lost the ability to read the stories that are represented in Christian art. And he gives the example of a conversation that he overheard when he was walking through the Sainsbury wing of the National Gallery there in London. It's a beautiful wing that has all the medieval art. He's, I don't know if he heard it or he heard about somebody else overhearing it. I, I presume it's apocryphal, but this is what he said. He said that somebody was walking through this gallery, which is all medieval art and maybe early Renaissance art, and uh, they were seeing all these saints and... Uh, and this person said, I, I love all these pictures of mothers and their children, so beautiful, but why is the child always a boy? And uh, obviously, maybe it's apocryphal, they don't realize that uh, that's the Blessed Virgin Mary and that's Jesus. Maybe they don't know that, but it's true that there's a level of ignorance of the biblical stories that a level of ignorance that at one time was absolutely unthinkable. And uh, the paintings in this wing are all of Christian subjects, beautiful altarpieces. Now they're in this, this gallery. But I'm told that very often these wings are often quite empty. There's not that many people in them. People prefer to go to the other wings where they can see the Impressionists and they can see uh, the Van Goghs and the sunflowers and, and you know you, you can see pictures of people taking pictures of, of the sunflowers, right? And, uh, and um, it's as though they've lost the vocabulary 
uh, of those beautiful images through the centuries, and we have to kind of waken that up within us. And so, what we ask Our Lady now is to revive within us a deep sense of her protection. Outside protection, inside protection. That, you know, that she might keep us safe, we and our families, but also that she intercede for us to keep us safe from all that could really damage our soul. That's the inside protection. Damage our purity. Wound our purity. Our faith. Our hope. Our confidence in God. Our life of prayer. God's providence and our, and our real desire really to always see souls around us. Not just to see people that annoy us. or eh, to, She can help us by her protective gaze and her intercession to be zealously on fire for souls. We call her Queen of Apostles. And we also be apostles. If maybe we could think, if my suffering, my hard work, my discipline, my setbacks could lead to the conversion of one single soul, well, I'm willing to accept it. You know? If I'm willing to accept the, 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 you know, the, the headache I get one day, eh? or the symptoms I get with COVID, if I'm willing to accept that and offer it for one single soul that can come to recognize the Lord Jesus and our Blessed Mother, I'm willing to accept it. She's our mother. And there are integral parts of the engine that we are, you know. And if any of these elements of the engine are, are damaged, our engine will shut down. It will shut down. And as a kid, when, when our mother fed us, you know, when we didn't want to read, uh, when we didn't want to eat, rather, my mother would tell us, here, have this spoonful for the hungry children in Africa. And then we conjured up an image of children in Africa that were starving with bloated bellies. And, and uh, we understood that, that we were ready to do that for those people. But today, the, the starvation is, is widespread. It's deeper. It's not so much a starvation for food, which I suppose it is as well, but it's also a starvation for meaning, for purpose. Because we are in a decadent society, permanently glued to our phones, spending hours on Netflix and Disney+. Plus. We know how degrading the vision of human sexuality has become all over us, all around us. How much antagonism there is for the traditional family. How many children live in fatherless homes? Often really exposed at very young ages to, to t- things that are only for adults to know. Not for children. But they're still exposed to whether it's violence or sexuality. You know, little children are very fine with being told... Now mom and dad are going to have an adult conversation, so you can't be part of this. You know, they're fine with that. They understand they're not ready for that. Hmm? 
they easily recognize that they're not primed or ready for that now. And that is a way in which, in which parents protect them. But now all the children are being invaded with things that are only suitable for adults. But Mary, you are a mother, you're a good mother, and you will protect us. Not so that we become somehow or show ourselves superior to others or feel better or feel smarter, but you will intercede with your prayer in front of God the Father that we not stay superficial or merely formal in our piety or merely external or in some way decadent. She'll help us. She'll guide us. And uh, I recommend you can go and do a pilgrimage somewhere. This is a pious custom during the month of May. And you'll gain certainly many uh, many graces from that. In particular, Our Lady of Guadalupe, May 13th. Is it May 13th? I don't remember now. But uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, in any case, she'll intercede for us in a special way. See what you can do during during this month of May. Maybe the way we recite the rosary with love and give it maybe more of that tenderness that it deserves. Always knowing that Our Lady is there to protect us under her mantle. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.